The champ is here. We will definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. I must be the greatest. The champ is here. I'm gonna continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will I'm not, not lose. lose. Yes, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. He is the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, covering it all, laughing it all, while providing a platform to be heard. All right, so you know what we do about this time. I want to welcome our guests, all right? So basketball is a game that could take you all around the world and provide you with great opportunities. So this guy from being coach to being a coach, all right? We have a f- we're gonna talk about a little bit of family business, man. We got Josh Hayes on the show. Let's clap it up, clap it up, clap it up. What's up, Josh? How you doing tonight, man? Doing well, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Oh man, glad you could jump on with us, man. So how we start the show is we always ask a shoot your shot moment, okay? So this is a story. Um, it could have been just something that's happened to you where you went for it all. You bet on yourself. And it's a specific story. You know, don't give me that, man. I always shoot my shot, man. I live, I live, shoot my shot. We need that specific story. Go. <laughs> well, I will say I do always shoot my shot. <laughs> okay. Uh, at least, at least career wise with the ladies, it was a little bit different, but, um, how I got this job was a shoot, uh, definitely a shoot my shot kind of moment. Um, so, you know, in coaching, especially Division One coaching, you know, most people only hire who they know. Right. You don't really, um, see a lot of hires from uh, just just random stuff. And most coaches don't really read their emails either. <laughs> so, okay. Um, here at the Citadel in uh, South, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, um, I had a friend that used to be on staff as a director of basketball operations, and he let me know that there was a couple of positions that would potentially be open. So I emailed the head coach, um, not expecting to get any return. Um, I mean, just coaches honestly don't check their emails like that. And they definitely don't respond. And they get a lot of inquiries, obviously, about jobs from people they don't know. And so, you know, I wrote an email. I tried to be as, uh, I guess, as humble as possible, but also trying to sell myself in, in a short paragraph. Okay. And uh, to my surprise, a couple of days later, he wrote me back, asked me to send a video of why I'm a good fit and what makes a good assistant coach and that kind of thing. Just a five-minute video. So I sent a five-minute video. Thank God I had an iPhone. Like weeks <laughs> before that, I had an Android. So hey, I hold on, hold on, hold on. Come on. Bit it would have showed up in, in, in just that little centimeter joint. Whatever. <laughs> but you would have had great video quality, though. <laughs> yeah, we know who has an Android on the show, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I sent the uh, I sent the video. He was impressed with the video. Asked if we can, uh, you know, chat and, and talk. And we had a two hour conversation, great conversation. And then he put me on with his assistant coach, the only coach that was remaining on staff in terms of just uh, the other two guys left. And uh, that was a good conversation. And and a month later, um, here I am, assistant men's basketball coach at the Citadel, Boom. which is crazy, um, again, because most people don't hire people they don't know. Right. Um, I'm actually his first hire of someone that he hasn't either coached or or known previously or had any kind of previous relationship with. And uh, 
you know, I, I, I go from division two to division one without even knowing the guy. So that's a shoot your shot moment. That's God's, you know, kind of showing out and, and a tremendous blessing. But, uh, yeah, man. So that's awesome. Man. That last story is like that, but that, that's certainly my most, my most recent one. That's big time, man. I, and I'm, I'm assuming that you had the, the, the CarMax, um, for that, that short video. Oh yeah. You know, it, it took me, you know, I didn't tell him this, but th- it was about six or seven takes <laughs> in that five minute video. <laughs> right, so, nice. so sometimes shooting your shot, you got to get your own rebound and put it back up, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I was following my shot. <laughs> so, uh, let's t- let's let's start at the beginning, uh, Josh. So, where did your love for sports uh, start? Yeah, man. So, you know, obviously, we grew up in a family that was pretty sports oriented. Um, I, you played football, you know, my older brother played football, you know, two older brothers played football. All my older brothers really played football. My dad played college football. Um, and it, he, he didn't really force sports on us or anything like that, but you know, we just naturally loved it. Um, I, I remember I played tackle football, I think as early as five or six years old. I mean, I was, I was pretty early. I was pretty, I was pretty young. And uh, loved it. I mean, you know, there, I, I can remember summers where we would start off playing whatever sports was was closest in season. So maybe basketball in the morning. Right. Have a home run derby in the afternoon, and we'll finish with football at night. I mean, that's that's what we just did all day, every day. I mean, we just kind of always loved sports. So it, it was something that that came second nature. I, I'm not really sure if. Uh, we played because we were good or we were good because we played a lot. But, um, you know, there was always some kind of ball in the house. Um, year round, we were playing sports all the way up until, you know, high school for me where I had to kind of focus on, on one, not necessarily by um, by choice. It's just, just kind of how it happened. Um, but, you know, growing up, I played basketball, football, baseball all the way up until maybe seventh or eighth grade. So okay. I always loved sports. Talk to me about you was always kind of uh, a control your own destiny guy, uh, aware of your sure. brand uh, pretty early in like, I don't know, elementary or middle school. <laughs> so I guess where did that knowledge of, I guess, even marketing yourself or selling yourself, how did that come about for you? You know, I think it was an advantage having older brothers because um, you, you see things that they do and things that work and maybe things that don't work. Um, so having that kind of just firsthand feedback growing up was, was helpful. And I'm just kind of naturally a little anal for lack of a better word of, of stuff. Right. So I, I, I probably care a little too much about certain things, uh-huh. but I kind of learned early that everything matters, so to speak. Like there's nothing that's really, too small or too big and every everything matters from from just like you said like branding yourself and marketing yourself and to to you know working out to separating yourself and i was really really focused at an early age kind of one track minded and and what i wanted to do and, and it was just i don't know if it came from just being competitive uh-huh. or paranoid or just a little crazy but i was really really just focused and I I understood like Miles said kind of early and a lot of that was from you know the people I was around but just how important everything is and you know not eliminating yourself and 
um, kind of staying on the straight and narrow. Because, you know, I, I knew how competitive sports was early. Right. Right. So I know a lot of kids um, have this filter where, they, you know, they, they're the best in their neighborhood or the best in their state or the best in their community or whatever. And they feel like, you know, that's it. Um, kind of being exposed to the bigger world earlier and yeah. going through Miles's recruiting process and my older brother's recruiting process, I knew it was really competitive. So I didn't want to do anything to eliminate myself, right? Nice. So I wanted to make sure that if I was going to be eliminated, I was going to be eliminated because I just wasn't good enough, not because of something else external. Gotcha. And so um, because Miles and you guys have all kind of traveled a lot, um, you know, being that your dad was in the service, where where did you grow up? So, yeah, uh, I lived a pretty normal life up until high school, really. Gotcha. Um, so, grew up in Colorado, first 13 years, right before my 14th birthday, I believe. Mm. Um, we moved in June going into high school. So, finished eighth grade, maybe June 6th or something. Okay. And we leave to Turkey June 13th. I mean, it was it was that quick. Dang. Um, so I, I, I really didn't put two and two together that my dad did anything with the military until we were moving to Turkey. To yeah, that, quite that, that'll wake you up. <laughs> it, it never registered to me. And even when he said Turkey, I was thinking like... Thanksgiving, ain't it? Yeah, I'm thinking Turkey, maybe like Kentucky or... Uh. <laughs> It didn't realize it, it didn't Tur- register until I Turkey, was in Oklahoma, Turkey, Oklahoma. Just Turkey, right? Least <laughs> Turkey, like, dang, I'm in Turkey. Until until we <laughs> in the airport about to fight somebody in France because uh, he, he cut me right. off with yeah yeah right. So it you know, um, so for for you know I was I was normal. I was a normal I guess civilian life. I I didn't know anything about the military really uh-huh. up until we got to Turkey, and then um, but Turkey was 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 a a tremendous you know, eye opener from just a perspective at that age. Um, certainly didn't appreciate it at the time. I think my dad sold us on being there for one year and, and that one year turned into almost three years. Got him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Got him. Exactly. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's done wonders in terms of shaping my perspective today and um, allowing me to be able to connect with a whole lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds because I've been exposed to a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. No, that's big, man. And I think people don't get that because you have, and it's probably dying down a little more now in these generations, but the fact is some people have never left their state. Yeah, right. You know, some people never left their city. So to get that kind of worldwide exposure, and just anytime I think you can get experiences of something different than, you know, what you're accustomed to just has to be a, an amazing event and, and just add into your life skills. For sure. For sure. And, you know, it helps with, you know, I, you know, I don't want to get too, uh, I don't want to say political, but, um, but it helps with empathy and sympathy. You know, I, I can, I can walk in other people's shoes or at least kind of understand what other people are going through. It's not hard for me to, to get to that level mentally where right? I lived in a Muslim country. So I'm, I'm very tolerant of, of other people. And I think that's something that, uh, by and large, our country is kind of missing, the, the ability to kind of step in someone else's shoes. Right. 1,000%. So with your, uh, your your time in Turkey, man, um, you were kind of, and 
I'm going to mention this guy's name just because I'm a Knicks fan. And I was hoping the, the ping pong balls bounce so we can oh my gosh. get young LaMelo. But you were kind of doing like uh, LaMelo ball even before it was kind of like a trendy thing where it is kind of now of kind of playing uh, semi kind of professionally in a, in a in a foreign country in Europe um, as an American. Talk about that. Yeah. So, again, just to backtrack a little, basketball wasn't on my radar like that. Um, again, the plan was to go to Turkey for a year. I was going to lift weights, kind of have like a, just a self-proclaimed red shirt. <laughs> okay. Get, get swole, get back to the States, play slot receiver, running back, okay. kick return, punt return, go play in the big 12. And that could have still that happened. Was, that's what I thought was going to happen in my head. That's what's going to happen. How's the game Reality playing? was didn't play for high school football. Uh, <laughs> No Big 12 basketball or football. Now, was it um, they didn't play football over there? Right. So there okay. just wasn't access to American football. I gotcha. mean, on the base, you could play flag football. Uh, but, uh, you know, no disrespect to flag football, but that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't football I grew up playing. Absolutely. So, um, you know, really, like basketball, I, I played basketball in high school almost out of, I don't want to say boredom. But almost out of boredom in like competitive spirit. So I remember a story when I was a fresh. So I played my freshman year and I was pretty good. Um, but, I, you know, I was I was good because I was athletic mm-hmm. and, you know, just athletic. Really, I wasn't really good. I shouldn't say I was good. Uh, I was OK. I was serviceable. <laughs> Good, serviceable. serviceable. <laughs> hey, so you'll take those some of the time, man. You'll definitely take those. <laughs> So the summer going into my sophomore year, I remember playing on base with a, I don't know if he was old, but he was maybe 30, <laughs> 35, 36. That's old for basketball, I guess, especially if you're not like a professional or anything. Yeah, you're just I... a random military dude. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't very good. He was about 6'3", 6'4". He had really long arms. We were playing 21. It was me, him, and another guy that wasn't very good that I really don't remember who it was, but I know there was three people. <laughs> Um, so I, I felt like I should have been the best in that game. Right. Right. And the dude blocked my jump shot, not layup, my jump shot like four times. And that's humiliating. He wasn't boy. good. I mean, he was 35. He wasn't quick. <laughs> yeah. He, he had some mid, he had the mid brown military socks on while he was still hooping. And he was, and he was blocking my shot, like, <laughs> like getting legit pieces of it. <sighs> so. You know, I was I was almost in tears, man, because I'm really, really competitive, really competitive. Um, so I asked him, like, man, how, how do you keep on blocking my shot? No disrespect to you. You're not really athletic. <laughs> how, how are you blocking my shot? And he was he was honest. He said, you know, you have a, a load in your shot. You, you kind of you make a move. But I, I can tell you about the shoe. It takes you a long time to get to your shot. So, again, out of just pure competitive drive i guess the whole summer so th- this happened early it's like school just ended so okay. this could have been may or june whole summer i didn't play against anybody and this was kind of pre-youtube um so i kind of just self-taught how to get my my release quicker and i i did just stupid crazy drills that i thought would work and uh i probably looked dumb i reconstructed my whole shot i remember <laughs> asking my my younger brother to record me and like, hey, how's this look? How's this look? Uh, still, still too slow. Still too slow. I used to just do stupid stuff. I'd be in the hallways just as quick as I can. <laughs> Working on that release, huh? 
all kind of crazy <laughs> things. And then, so I was always fast. I was always quick. And, and I worked really hard on, on my jump shooting that summer. And when I played someone again in like September, I mean, I was killing. Right. So I was, I was, I was still quick. I was still fast. But all of a sudden I could shoot and you could be right in my face. But because I was so quick and, and unpredictable, I was able to get my shot off against anybody, regardless of, of your space. I was able to kind of just create a, a good look. Did you get back with the dude on the base though? Just to, to, to double check it. You know what? I think I think he left. But I, I was certainly <laughs> looking for him. Still looking for. Him. Still looking for. Him. <laughs> I, was, I was checking everybody's socks that walked into the gym. But, uh, that's that's not you. <laughs> so, um, oh my bad. Go ahead. Yeah, but my my confidence just really really grew from there. Right. And you know that led to one opportunity, and I started really dominating the competition. That was that was my age and. You know, eventually my junior year, I was invited to a, a semi-pro camp, and I was 15 or 16 years old at the time. Wow! Went through the went through the training camp, and they, they offered a contract. Um, we knew we were at some point we were going to come back to the state, so you know I didn't take the contract, but I went through the whole training camp process and played in a couple of scrimmages. And they're going to write this big article. I was going to be the youngest player in that league. Wow. Um, definitely the youngest American player in that league. And and just all came from just constant work. Um, again, I was a guy who had who had no ambitions at all of playing high school basketball. And here I am two or three years later. Just with that competitive spirit. Um, with a chance to, to be a professional. That's amazing. Um, and so that that's just uh, – and that goes – you know, Miles said something about kind of controlling your own destiny. And that's one of the things I love about basketball is the ability to go to the gym and, and really get better. You know what I mean? And, and your success is almost on you. Right. Yeah. Right. There's that in a team sport. It is a team sport for sure. And you need everyone else and everyone has to work together and all that good stuff. But it's not like football where, you know, hold on, don't be disrespectful. No disrespect to football. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you don't have a good offensive line, you can be the best receiver in the world. You're not gonna get, you know, you're not gonna get great balls. Your quarterback can be stinky, or he, your quarterback can be good. But if he doesn't have time, uh, he's not gonna be as good, right. right? So there's there's so many other factors in. In basketball, there's only four other people on the floor, right? So if you can't play, you can't play. That's that's on you. That's not <laughs> that's not anyone else. And I, I kind of like that about I like that about hoops. I can go to the gym. Um, and I can get better, right? Someone's blocking my shot, I can fix it, right? I can make this better. It's unlike football or track, right? If track, if someone's fashioning you, someone's just fashioning you. I mean, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> you can work out. He's going to work out. You you know, you, there's only so many push-ups and sit-ups and stretching you can do. You're still not going to be Usain Bolt. But in hoops, right, you can overcome certain certain things because of the the level of, of skill that's involved and the nature of it. And I, and I love that about it. Awesome. So who's the most competitive in the household, man? So you guys grew uh you have four other brothers? There's five of you guys? Five? Yeah, there's, there's five of us, yeah. So let's rank them. Let's rank them in the most athletic. Give me, give me, give me the ranking. Start from the bottom. Who's who who's number five and get to number one? Don't be Oh, shoot. Uh oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get in the in the Hayes household. Because you guys, all like right, you so said, you guys how, all how we define an athletic. If we're defining athletic by like quickness. Running, jumping, coordination. 
I definitely no, I'm not the tallest, but I definitely think I'm in that that upper echelon there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so give me I'm, the top three. Let's let's the, just give me the top three. <laughs> all right, so I think I'm one in terms of that. Boom. Now, <laughs> number one. I think I don't know if I'm the best. Like my, nah, I think no, my no. younger brother. Stick with it. Stick with it. You number one. Who get who, okay. who's so coming in number two? Who's I'll, coming I'll, second? I'll give you two categories. That okay. category, I'm number one. Okay. Number two would be <laughs> Miles got a look on his face. Let's go. Hey, nah, I know, I know, t- I, know t- I know who number two is in, in my opinion. I, I know who I, number one is in my opinion, but I know who number two is in my opinion. I think number two is the Otis. Yeah, Ben from from a size and a like explosion explosion standpoint, okay. he's pretty impressive. And I think Miles is three, and I think. Mm, uh, Gerard is probably four. Okay, and I would say Caleb is five in terms of athletic. Dang, why y'all now, kill Caleb like that, man? Another category in terms of just being the best in sports. If Caleb's number one, I'm not taking your list. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> Caleb's number one in being the best in sports. Dude, is, the dude is just good at everything. Yeah. I mean, he's not really fast or anything like that. He's just he's just flat out good in everything. And I, I would say Miles would be number two because Miles was pretty just naturally good at. Well, at least basketball and football. Baseball is another story. (laughs) Who would win the race then? Who's the fastest? I think top-end speed. uh, If we're going over 40, if we're going over 40 yards, miles. If we're going under or 40 or under, I think I'm the fastest. Yeah, that that part is debatable, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that, some, that forty yard dash is debatable. Some people may have forgot, but uh, Miles has a bet. Once we get out of this quarantine stuff, where he's running some 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 races against one of our guests. So I'm not. I'm not oh. I, yeah, yeah. I, well, I don't. I'm not, I, haven't for, I, haven't, I haven't forgot about it. Okay. I haven't well, forgot about it at all. How long? How long is the races? I, I'm yeah, it's that. a mile. Oh shoot! I'm not in that. <laughs> <laughs> So let's kind of, you know, get kind of, you know, um, from high school, talk about that recruiting and kind of get in the game a little bit of, of, of you know, how you, you transition. Because you did all of this in Turkey, right? That's when you got the the, um, the a chance to try out and go for the professional team. But then right. you finish your high school actually in the States, right? Correct. Correct. So, yeah, my senior year, a little bit of my junior year, but my senior year, we moved to North Carolina. Okay. And, uh. Same high school J. Cole went to, Terry Sanford. Yeah, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's stop right there real quick. See, that was a later question. Oh, but, oh my bad. Go no, ahead, go ahead. No, go but, ahead. but go ahead. There, no, 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 let's no. go there. No, no, go ahead. Ask the question, please. Let's do this now. I, I need, so I, I had my opinions on J. Cole <laughs> And they were very strong. So if you didn't listen to the locker room, I don't even know what episode it was, but a lot of y'all listened to that because we got a lot of feedback on that. So go. <laughs> so, Josh, yeah, g- give me give me the goods on, uh, uh, on J. Cole, Terry Sanford High School. He going to the league, so, right? Is Bayville. that what you're saying? Again, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I feel probably like Miles, where uh, I think it's a little disrespectful. <laughs> that, uh, Why not? That he thinks he, at his age he can just put on some Pumas and play the NBA. <laughs> that's, that's crazy to me. But that's neither here nor there. Jay, no, here, that's here. here. Some, that's definitely actual, here. Here's some actual facts here. Okay. And I, I'm not. I'm not hating. I'm just telling facts. Now, J. Cole's senior year, they were a couple games over five. I want to say they were like 19 and 12. All right. Not not the greatest, but not the worst. His <laughs> junior year, I kid you not, they were 1 and 24. <laughs> now, I don't know too many NBA players that's played on a 1 and 24 <laughs> team. 
But, but you did say that I, if you're individual, right? Like, basketball is only for the people on the floor. So you, you should that. be able to affect the game a little bit more than, than one win. If you're an NBA guy. If you're an NBA guy, yeah, absolutely. I agree, in high school. So, you know, that's that's just facts. I'm not I'm not hating on the dude. I just think his basketball pedigree is a little thin. <laughs> it's a little thin. Y'all ain't been seeing the videos, man, with him in, like, rec ball, shoot, playing with uh, Migos. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, in that league, he'll probably average ten. He's killing them. That's good enough to be in the NBA. He's killing them. All right, man, y'all sleeping on J Cole, man. I think I actually think Miko's dude. Like I don't, you know, I think I think those little dudes are better than J Cole. Wow. <laughs> From what I've seen. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know about they all. They all questionable. <laughs> by Chris Brown. It's probably the little one that's actually legit out of all those what's little. That, what's, the, what's that rapper, uh, Dave Eastman or whatever his name is? Mm-hmm. Is that his name? I, I, uh, I yeah, saw he, that video. Whatever. He played just at Towson, so Yeah, yeah. I, Dave I, East. It's just Dave East. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think I think he's the best of the rapper Hooper guys because he's an actual Hooper. I mean, the rest of them are just, I mean, I'm not going to hate on I mean, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so y'all can check out episode 23 of the locker room to get some more, <laughs> more of the J. Cole, because that's the, it's hilarious. So don't get me in trouble, man. Terry Sanford, stand up, man. Yeah. Be <laughs> backpedaling now. So, All right. So back to. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about uh about just coming back to the States at, at that point uh, in North Carolina. Obviously, North Carolina athletics look a lot different from Colorado athletics that you, you left. So. Well, hell, and Turkey, right? Like, and Turkey. Your, your yeah, swag sure. had to be a whole lot different yeah. thanks to the guy in the brown socks. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went in I went in really, really confident. And, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I was playing with grown, grown people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So – High schools weren't weren't really a weren't really a thing. Not not like that, but you know, I you know, I was I was used to a certain level. Um but there was like a reality of wanting to fit in that I didn't account for when I came back. Right. So when I first came back, I was focused, like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna do me, I'm gonna, you know, just do what I've been doing for the last couple of years. And, right. And all that. But there was an element of of again, I'm competitive. I wanted to win. But you don't want to graduate your senior year with like no friends because you alienated everybody, and you know, <laughs> uh, like so. Like Kobe's a different dude. He, you know, I I, I was competitive like Kobe, but I didn't have that that oh, just that asshole. Like, yeah, right. yeah, Kobe. Kobe was just kind of yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have that fully. Um, so I I didn't want to. Not that I was just ten times better than everybody else, but. There was there was opportunity where I really could have separated myself, mm. um, but that would have came at the cost of of just overall happiness, frankly. And um, so no, that's big because there's some yeah, players that talk about you know, that. I think I started, Deion Sanders used to talk about that um, with Jerry Rice, right? Because Jerry Rice was just right. so competitive. He was so into training. He's like, man, he didn't have fun while in the game. He's like, I did my thing and had fun in the game, you know? Right. So no, that's right. that's a very perceptive at that age too. Right. So, you know, uh, I had, a, I had a decent, we had as a, as a group, Terry Sanford, they had, we had, I was a, fortunate to be a part of one of the best Terry Sanford teams since like Rusty Clark. Rusty Clark was a big that played at Carolina in like the sixties. Okay. And, uh, we had the best year at that school that 
since 1967, I think, or something. We were 20, 26 and four. And uh, just the buzz around the town was just crazy. I remember when we first moved in and I was telling people where I was going to high school. I'm like, oh, Terry Sanford, you're not a real baller if you're going to Terry Sanford. <laughs> so that, was, that was his reputation. Everybody went to different schools, Westover, gotcha. 71st. or uh, there, was, there was other schools that were known more for, for, for hoops than Terry Sanford was. Let's put it that way. But um, in uh, North Carolina, though, there is good hoops, though? North Carolina is really good hoops. Okay. You know, I, I think it's it's really good hoops. It's, it's really deep in terms of talent, talent right? So yeah. you, you have, you know, at least, you know, 20-something Division One players a year. Um, and that's probably underselling a little bit. I mean, there's there's a lot of, a lot of good talent. So, you know, I'll, I'll perform decently um, – you know, in, in a solid state, but coming out of nowhere and, and being a little guy and, and not necessarily doing anything spectacular. Right. Um, you know, my, my recruiting was, was, I wouldn't say non-existent, but it was, it was going to take a whole lot for someone my size and coming out of nowhere to jump people's lists that they've been investing in for, for years and months and all that stuff. And I understand now that I'm on this side of that, um, I understand that completely. So, you know, my recruiting process was a little different, um, and I, I really have a tell of two, almost two kind of stories uh-huh. in my own high school career. Like, you know, I, I was the man as fresh sophomore, junior, to being just, you know, I was good, but I wasn't, I certainly wasn't the man. You know, I, I played basketball with uh, Dwayne Allen, who played in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. Um my backup point guard was Chris Wilson. He has his number retired. Mm. He played at St. Joe's, um, played in the top league in, in Germany. And then we had a couple other guys sprinkling that were, you know, Division One caliber players. And I just wanted to fit in, have some friends during graduation. <laughs> um, so, you know, my, my recruiting process was a little different. Um, I, I, I don't have some of these sexy stories that uh, I probably could have had um, if things were a little different. But, you know. My story is my story, and I don't really regret it, and, and it's it's certainly helped me kind of get to this point. Um, so out of high school, I, I went to the University of Wyoming. Mm. Um, another shoot-your-shot moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, somehow, this was still during MySpace. Somehow I got the head coach's cell phone number. Was he, in, was um, he in your top five? <laughs> top, top eight. <laughs> top eight, whatever. No, I, don't, I don't know how I did it, man. I really don't. I think one of the players on the team, Jabril Chom, was a transfer from Baylor. Okay. And uh, from Senegal. Good dude. Really good dude. Uh, and I befriended him on, on MySpace. And I think I showed him some highlights or I don't know what I did. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know how I convinced him, but he gave me the, the, the head coach's cell phone number. So I, I called the head coach a gazillion times and he finally picked up. <laughs> okay. And uh, I still talk to him to this day. And he he allowed me to kind of be a part of the program, um, his freshman year, and that that was that was two thousand eight, two thousand nine. It was around the same time. I guess one and done was there for a couple years. So mm-hmm. I, I think I was a year or two before Kevin Durant, um, maybe a year before, or a year after, Kevin, a year or two after Kevin Durant, a year or two after OJ Mayo and, and that class. Um, the same freshmen with me were like Drew Holiday and mm, okay. and, and guys like that. Isaiah Thomas, that was his freshman year. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I had, I got a little taste of, of, of division one, but, uh, 
I also got a little taste of reality in Division One. <laughs> I, I saw I saw pretty clearly that uh, you know this, so at Wyoming there was a, there was a young guy, little dude named J.D. Lester who's now an assistant coach at Pacific with Damon Stoudemire, and he was the first little dude that I played against that was like just flat out better than me, mm-hmm. and it was just like you know it's it's going to be either me or you playing. They can't play two five five eight five nine dudes. <laughs> And uh, I was looking at him like, yeah, it's, it's going to be you. So, <laughs> so uh, um, I always knew I wanted to coach, but, I, you know, I got I got my little whistle wet. And then uh, I, I transferred and kind of bounced around and just really, really wanted to play. Um, transferred to Troy, didn't play there. Thought I was going to play there. It was a long, long kind of long story. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't handle the, the transfer recruiting process as well as I probably should have. Wasn't as thorough. Um so I wanted to play, played at a Division three for a year, um, got injured. That was kind of a, a, a rough year. I had a lot of expectations, obviously, coming from a Division one program, right. the semi-pro stuff, and D3, you should dominate. And, uh, you know, I, I played okay, but I didn't, I didn't dominate by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, missed some games, battled injury, and, and I knew then it was that was it. That was it for me. I played one year, and. Transitioning to coaching after that while so that's I was still in school. So did you start coaching, like assistant coaching while you were like out or running drills or just being at practice, kind of going over film and things like that? Like when did the coaching bug kind of hit you or you were just like, this is my this is my reality. This is my new dream I'm chasing. Yeah. So, you know, again, I always thought I was going to be a coach. I read oh, okay. a book in nice. eighth grade, Aspire Higher um, by Avery Johnson. And, uh, from then on, I mean, he talked about the influence that coaches had on him in his life, the way he talked about his high school coach and his college coach. From then, I knew I was going to coach. Oh, wow. At okay. The time, I thought I was going to coach football. So I, you know, I started reading Nick Saban books, and uh, Lane Kiffin was my guy. I mean, don't ask me why, but he, he was. <laughs> okay. Uh, so um, I, I was focused. I knew I was going to coach. Gotcha. I knew I was going to coach. Um, yeah, you was coaching everything coaching Caleb, coaching me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I took so yeah, I took a year off. I yeah. remember one year I didn't take, I didn't play football in. It might have been sixth grade, and uh, I just helped out coaching my my younger brother's team in sixth grade. Now <laughs> there was there was another part of that story. Okay, I, I had a crush. I had a crush on a girl, and uh, her her little brother was on the team. And I thought she was gonna come to more practice than she came. <laughs> she only came to like three, but. Uh, I still, you know, and I, and I kind of, I kind of fell in love with it then. So okay. that was in sixth grade, and I fast forward to being a junior in college, and I knew I was kind of done, and uh, I, I was fortunate enough to kind of land an opportunity. You know, I took a year off from school. I was working at Toys R Us and Coca Cola. <laughs> uh, man, tough jobs. Right. <laughs> I was dressed for the draft a few times, so I was probably the shortest. The holiday, the holiday work stuff. Holiday stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was rough. But I coached at J.H. Rose High School um, and really and that got at? a lot is of responsibilities really early. I is mean, that in was, uh, North Carolina, too? North Carolina. That's, okay. in, that's in Greenville, North Carolina. Greenville. And that was kind of my first opportunity of having a team. I coached a few games. The, co- the head coach of the, of the JV team got sick after, like, game three. And uh, he just kind of left the, the, the assistants in charge. So, you know, I was running practices. And uh, I coached in a few games and, and just was hooked. And okay. I just remember feeling 
um, how in basketball, how in coaching, like as a as a player, um, there's so much about it. There's so much selfishness involved, just naturally, right? I mean, after the game, win, lose, or draw, you kind of look at your stats. You kind of look how you did here and there, or what have you. In uh, in coaching, there's none of that. Like the bottom line is the bottom line, uh-huh. right? You can't say, man, I, I did a good job of drawing up this set, but we lost. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't look like that, right? Um, you can't take your kudos. So I, I was I was hooked to that that bottom line and I was hooked to uh, seeing kids grow and prosper and, and, and then those relationships, like my coaches have such uh, a special bond for whatever reason, and a chance to influence people's lives. And I still talk to a lot of those kids, man. And that, that was, that was a long time ago, 2000, maybe 10, 2011. Um, and I still still talk to these kids, and and you know none of these dudes play basketball anymore. And but, but you know you always you always cherish those relationships and those times. And and I don't know, there's something about coaching that's just really really special and enticing. And I think it's unlike any profession in the world. Honestly, it, it's it's truly unique. So even touch on 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 that piece because you've you've coached that. You mentioned high school. Um, we've had a guest on Reggie Roby. He played at a prep school, and there's some others that mm-hmm. we've had that's played at prep school. So you've had experience at prep school, and obviously now in the college. So I guess how all those levels uh, shape you into, I guess the kind of the coach you are now, or just how, what did you kind of gain for some of those levels? Sure. Uh, so with the the unique thing about high school is um, it really shapes you as a as a well. Obviously, your your the goal is not necessarily just wins and losses it's developing young men getting them ready for whatever's next in their life right, right. for some that's college sports for some that's the workforce um for most hopefully it's it's kind of leading the family eventually hopefully not not right out of high school but right. um you know you you kind of want to you're, you're you're setting the foundation kind of at that level but on the court um because you can't especially at a tr- traditional public school as i was um because you can't recruit or really control your talent level, um, your your mind is really expanded in terms of X's and O's because you got to find a way to be competitive with yeah. whatever you with have. what you got. For right. sure, you're, you're right. serviceable you, you players. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So sometimes you have six two centers, and you know you got to figure out how to, how to compete against six seven centers, or or sometimes it's opposite. Sometimes you got a whole lot of size, but you got an itty bitty point guard that can't really do anything but just run fast and run like play like Kevin Hart, run into the walls and, <laughs> and kick. Stuff. Uh, and so you you gotta you have to figure out a way to uh, you know kind of get all those guys competitive. Prep school was a little different, and I was at Notre Dame Prep, and you know I love Notre Dame Prep. Uh, I've heard some comments from some of your other some some of your other uh, <laughs> guests yes. where it's not the best academic school. I understand that. <laughs> They don't got to take shots at my school now. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I really learned about the business of college basketball at Notre Dame Prep. We had probably 18 to 20 Division One prospects on that team. Mm. Uh, 11 went Division One, And, uh, you know, so, man, part of my job was just kind of entertaining <laughs> the coaches. Yeah. Right? When they came during open gyms and stuff like that. Tell them about this kid. Tell them about this kid. Oh, no, this kid can't do this. This kid can't do that. Right. I had to tell this kid to stop smoking in the room. This kid doesn't <laughs> put lotion on, et cetera. Right. So um, really learned about recruiting. Right. So I, that was my first kind of taste of 
you know, what college coaches are doing. Um, what are they at? What kind of questions are they asking? What are they looking for? How is this school different than this school? Um, how does this school approach recruiting versus this school? Um, is this head coach a, a recruiter or is this head coach just kind of a figurehead and he's not really recruiting? So I, I learned about I learned a little bit about the business of, 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 of coaching, especially in college. And then um, and then now being in college and I, I, I've now touched I've coached division three, division two and division one. You know, I, I've learned how to kind of approach different kind of kids, right? With Division three, um, <laughs> you know, you, you have to understand that no one's going to be necessarily excited to talk to you. You're Division three coach. <laughs> you know, you're, it's it's not Notre Dame that's calling. It's it's Notre Dame College or something <laughs> weird like the Notre Dame of of the East. Uh, so, Phoenix you know, of you, Notre you Dame. You got <laughs> <laughs> to sell your university. You have to. Uh, <sighs> find different pockets to engage kids. And, and then, you you know, you learn not to spin your wheels. Right. right? You're not wasting your time recruiting someone that's never going to come to your school. Or you're, uh, you know, so, you know, you learn that at Division Three, At Division Two, um, you know, Division Two, you learn a lot about compliance because a lot of these guys are uh, maybe good enough to play Division One, but don't qualify. Or they have one uh, defect. Maybe they, they, they're really athletic, can't shoot. <laughs> Defect, shoot, defect is a funny word. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why uh, oh, uh, Mike Epps, when his, you know, how he walked around with his little limp. I don't know why yeah. that was the first thing that popped in my head when you said defect. defect. <laughs> I hope you don't get no guards like that. Yeah, but yeah. So with Division Two, you know, you learn uh, kind of how to get people in school. Uh, I did a lot of junior college recruiting there. Um, so yeah, every level is 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 different, and, and you pick different things from every level, but. Um, you know, every level is your level. You know what I'm saying? And, and there's no shame in being in Division Three. There's no shame in being in Division Two. There's no shame in being in Division One. It's it's man. If it's paying for basketball, yeah. If it's paying for um uh, education, and sure. um you still get to pay the game that you love, man. That's that's a win. Absolutely. So Miles, you got them uh quick hits, man. Yeah, I got some quick hits for you, Josh. Sure. All right. So when was the first time, if ever, uh, that you've been uh, starstruck? Ooh, I wouldn't say starstruck, but again, I'm a different dude. I knew I was going to coach for a while, so I look at coaches a little bit more as celebrities than probably most people. Um, you know, the first time Jamie Dixon, who's now the head coach at TCU at the time, he was the head coach at Pitt. First time he walked into the gym, he had a bit of a, a aura about himself. He was a little, little arrogant at the time that I saw him. Maybe he was having a bad day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know if I was starstruck, but he was the first person like, dang, that's that's Jamie Dixon. That's kind of crazy. Right. Um, and then Billy Donovan had the same similar thing. And, and then I remember seeing Brad Stevens and it being kind of the opposite. And it's probably the reason why I like him so much, where he was just a basic dude. Like he had some, some, First of all, no one really recruits him in blue jeans, but he had blue jeans on. I call them post fades, not pre fades. So they were blue, but I'm they were. Done. You can tell he washed them a lot, so they were the post fade blue, and uh, just some basic Nike shoes. I mean, he was just the most unassuming dude. He just had a conversation, mm -hmm. and uh, I just remember how humble he was and how he didn't take himself seriously. He was just like, "Yeah, hey, you know, I coach basketball, man. I mean, I'm not that important." <laughs> 
Um, and in reality, you know, we're not that important. We're just coach basketball. We're not really doing anything crazy. Um, but I think Jamie Dixon was the first. Star I guess he's moment. not a star. And then there was a couple players here and there that I saw that was like, yeah, that's, that's that's pretty cool. But um, he right. was probably the very first. All right. So that was like, man, it's Jamie Dixon. <laughs> All right. Uh, so if you had to, of college players, have mm-hmm. a top five basketball, okay, not NBA guys, if you had to have a starting lineup, your, your dream starting lineup, who would that dream starting lineup be? College basketball players. College that I've seen They're, in person or just in general? Just in general. Their version of their version of themselves in college. Not We're not even talking about the NBA. Okay. That's a good question. Uh Point guard would be, I don't like him. Uh, I, I really don't like him. But Jason Williams. Okay, that's a point. Uh, I think he was tough, really tough. Um, shooting guard would be, mm, and a lot of this is going to be more my era and where I grew up. So, I mean, don't don't shoot the messenger here. Um, was Miles Simon a, a shooting guard? Yeah. Uh, Arizona. So Miles Simon. Yeah. Okay, who's who's your three? I would go with him at the two. At the three, um, I'll probably play like a three guard Villanova type of type of a style. So I, I would put another guard in there. I'm gonna say it was a guard that was just really dominant that I like watching play. I mean AI at, at Georgetown. Rest in peace, coach. Damn, AI don't okay. make the list. He was list. like, uh, AI, I might come, AI might come off the bench on Josh team. I was thinking of just logic. Well, we needed somebody that can stretch the floor a little bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we can go with AI. Okay, okay. give me a four. Uh, a power four. Now this, this is, this is okay. I didn't have a chance to plan for this, so <laughs> that's why they call quick hits. Head. That's why they call quick hits off the top. For some odd reason is Carlos Boozer. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't Boozer either. Wasn't bad. Um, okay. This is pre uh, hair. This is pre hair episode. <laughs> yeah, this is this is hair Carlos Boozer. Man. Okay. <laughs> natural, good. natural hair Carlos Boozer. <laughs> and then at the five, uh, I'm gonna go with Greg Oden because he was. He was pretty dominant when he was in. Great. Got it. LeBron's daddy. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go, man. All right, so we want to switch it up. want to jump into, you know, the Winter Circle platform. That, uh, and what you want to talk about was just really the, the state of the black coach. And I think it's, it's great to for you. So, once again, congratulations on, on, you know, getting such a prestigious role at a prestigious university, man. So, congratulations Thank on you. that. Um, but just talk to us about one, the struggle and, and then if it's going to get better and how it can get better. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I do think, um, you know, awareness is, is, is so key and, and we're at an important time in our country and our society, and especially in athletics where uh, more people are just becoming aware. Right. Um, you know, I had some conversations with some guys, and, and they were just talking about these are some white guys, good people, but they were just talking about their own just almost ignorance and, and just not knowing. And uh, when things kind of hit home to them, and they're like, dang, so maybe all this stuff isn't just 
yeah, made so like, up to talk or, you know, it, it seems right. distant until it, it hits you in the face and like it's affecting someone that you know and that you care about. Um, so I, I do think awareness is good. And I think we're trending in the right direction. And, and what the West Coast Conference is doing with the Bill, the Bill Russell uh, rule where, uh, you know, the West Coast Conference and that conference, um, one of the finalists, one of the three finalists has to be an African-American or a minority. And that's huge. And that, that's that's I think that's taking it a step further than the, the Rooney rule where they have to have name a finalist. So they gotta go through the interview process legitimately and 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 name a finalist. And he has to be at least has one of them has to be African American. And that's huge. That's a big step. And how long has um, that one been in play? Do you know? That that was just passed oh, wow. a month ago. Oh, so amazing. yeah, that's that's something that's kind of a part of this whole movement right now. That's big that we're in. Um, and, I, and I also think slowly but surely, um, the stigma of black coaches just being recruiters is 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 kind of getting eliminated. Or more black coaches are embracing that, and athletic directors are starting to understand that. Well, recruiting is kind of the name of the game, so it's not a bad thing if you're if you're really good at recruiting. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Because I mean, in college basketball, you're not going to be good unless you can recruit. That's just you're only as good as your players. If right. you don't got good players, you're, you're not a good coach. I don't, I don't really care who you are. Your players are your currency. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't have, you know, the players that's, on the... That's a fact. That's actual fact. So, you know, and, and you're starting to hear where athletic directors are saying, you know, don't don't shy away from being labeled as a recruiter um, because recruiting is really, really important in our profession. And then on the other side of that, you're, you're also hearing and seeing more coaches more African-American coaches get associate head coaching titles. Uh, um, Jason Hart at USC is, is, was voted by his peers as the top assistant coach in the PAC 12, um, African-American, um, uh, at UConn just yesterday, a coach who has an AAU background and those guys are usually just considered the recruiters and never really elevate. They always have jobs, but they never really elevate. Mm -hmm. Um, but he was just announced as an associate head coach. Um, Right, so we're starting to get titles and, and things moving in the right direction where we're going to get opportunities to be head coaches and lead our, our programs. We don't have to take weird sacrifices and go down in the high school level to get head coaching experience where we're starting to, to get the proper just do and, and, and we're, we're, we're not that label of being just recruiters and can relate to the players is, is slowly but surely getting shedded. That's awesome. And, yeah, and it I is. I think I think that's huge because I mean I, I'll change this into like a football kind of perspective, but you always typically see you know the black coach is a running back coach, or you can coach the DBs, or you can coach the receivers, and we're not you can stay away from the quarterbacks a little bit, and yeah, you know we maybe give you the defensive line because they can kind of you know what I mean. So like we won't yeah. give you the offensive line, like that's thinking too much kind of thing. So like it's starting to slowly change in that that aspect as well, and I think that's. Uh, I think that's definitely good and and, and you, you're starting to see more black athletic directors you you saw sure. you know uh, the washington football team has a black team president on the business side of things uh so a young a young man so yeah it is it is starting to change um and and i think that's a good thing i think that is because that represents sure. more of what america is it's it's a little more diverse than what's uh historically been at the top so and I, I mean, even if you, you look at your leagues, I mean, like, how do you assimilate to well, your leagues when right. they're a large percentage of something that doesn't show at the top, right? Absolutely. Right. So um, 
recruiting has been a big part, right? You know, of even stigma or not stigma. Um, how have you seen recruiting change? You know, and, and, and I guess just for a comparison, use from when you were recruited uh, to like recruiting these kids now, right? Because we <laughs> we have this conversation a lot, yeah, Miles and I, and we actually had um, a guy come on the locker room and talk about just recruiting now. So how has that changed with the athlete of today? Sure. I think, well, the first thing that pops in my head, even from just when I first got into coaching, there's just more of everything, right? So uh, there, there's more followers that these recruits have because of social media. Um, and with that, so there's some unintentional, there's unintentional, unintentional consequences where there's more, I don't want to call them handlers because that's, you know, but there's more people that you have to talk to. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, you know, when I first started recruiting and even when I was at Notre Dame prep, um, college coaches would talk to the prep school coach, maybe the high school coach, maybe the AAU coach, <laughs> and then the parents, right? right? You'll have a, a parent or a family member, a mom, a brother, a mom, an uncle, a mom, a dad, whatever their family dynamic is. And that was it. Now, I mean, <laughs> I kid you not, you have all of that, plus uh, their their brand manager, <laughs> They're, uh, they're, you know, and, and these kids switch AAU teams like it's like it's underwear. So all, all <laughs> ten of the AAU coaches, all six of the high school coaches, their trainers, their trainers in the winter, their trainers in the spring. They're, they're two different trainers. Uh, I mean, it, it's like literally ten people that you have to recruit to get to the kid. Yeah, and it's and it's crazy. And, and, and the unfortunate part. And one reason why I'm really thankful that I'm at the, the institution that I'm at is um, it kind of inflates the kid's ego a little bit, right? So then when they get to school and everything isn't all peaches and cream, as, as it won't be because there's a transition in college for everybody, whether you're a student athlete or not, Right. these kids are immediately bolting and they're transferring because that's what they did in high school. They're not, they're not getting the love that they got. Um, and they should be able to transfer freely. I'm not saying any of that, but um, it's just harder to kind of, you know, some of the, some of the 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 principles that you want to instill in kids is a little more difficult now because of the way the recruiting process almost has to work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's there's a whole lot of kissing booty going on right now in recruiting, and <laughs> and uh, that stuff goes to your head, man. If you're 17, 16 years old and, and you've been told you're the best thing since sliced bread for that long at that age, when the first time someone's not telling you that you're the best thing for sliced bread, you, you know, you're, you're going to feel some kind of way about it. And you're looking to the and, first uh, thing to get out of there. And I think that's all walk. I think that's just kind of all walks of life. I, I, you know, sometimes on my personal phone, it's, it's rare. Like Josh, you probably one of the few people I actually talk to on the phone. Every, everybody else is a green bubble <laughs> or a blue bubble. And whether I'm going right. to talk to you, more is on the green for Booval, EJ. Right. <laughs> Android. No, I'm just saying. I'm just playing. I'm just playing on that. But he no, is not. Real. He's so serious. No, but no, but all, all jokes aside, like I just think that it's just it's just different. Why? Well, I talk to you on the phone where I could talk to eight people at one time in the group message. I don't know. It's just kind of it's just like a weird scenario how things are now. So correct. And you know, you know, the I think one of the hardest things is when you're in a, when you're dealing in a team sport is uh, we live in such a, a me kind of society. Yeah. And, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. We're all we're all like that. I mean, we all have our, our 15 
our social media pages. Um, you know, that's just what we're that's just what we're doing. That's just that's that's everybody. That's yeah, not knocking on young people. So it's really hard to kind of get someone to buy into something that's bigger than themselves that quickly, right? Yeah. Again, you go from me, 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 my brand, my brand, my brand, which is good. All that stuff is important to then get to college and it's Hey, team, 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 yeah. team. You need and to that, take a charge. A, you need to rotate over here, take this charge. Or you got to come correct. off the bench. That's, that's and a, yeah. like, who are you talking to, coach? <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. And it's only going to get worse with yeah. uh, NIL. Name, image, and likeness. Oh, it's man. only going to get worse. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be really difficult to uh, to navigate. Man, you, you I mean, and, and they deserve <laughs> it. I'm not saying that, you know. Thank you. Yes. They, we, now, we, I don't know. I don't know if if necessarily universities need to be paying them, but if Tim Tebow or Zion Williamson, if he wants to sign a, a autograph and get some money, then yeah, let him get his money. I mean that that makes I mean right all the sense in the world. But to think that a college kid, I mean Division One kids on any campus, you know who they are. I mean they they kind of walk with a different kind of swag. <laughs> you give them a couple hundred thousand dollars on a college campus. With other with other young people, there's going to be some questionable decisions being made. <laughs> some shenanigans, <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> Shoot, well, there's some shenanigans for free. So uh, yeah, so, right, that right. part. Yeah, it's it's a slippery slope. Well, hey man, time flies when you're having fun. I always say that. Uh, we're coming to the last part of the show where um, we like to call it the assist, where you get to drop some coaching gems. So as a coach, man, give me your best coaching mantra or you know something you would tell your younger self but uh, just give us a little words of wisdom sure when I when I was a head coach at a uh, Southern Alamance high school um, they didn't have a great winning tradition I mean I think it was like one winning season in the last 25 years or something crazy like that um, so our our mantra was pound the rock and I got that from really Greg Popovich and I'm sure he got it from some great philosopher um, but pound the rock was was uh mantra about a stone cutter who's you know hitting the rock hitting the rock hitting the rock and then on one of those blows and you can change the number i guess <laughs> the rock finally cracked and uh i think the quote something i'm not going to quote it but it goes something along the lines where um you know he knew it wasn't the, the the necessarily the one crack that did it but it was all the cracks before that finally split the rock and uh, i'm kind of a living testimony to just kind of pounding the rock and staying the course of your on your goals and your dreams um Things get rocky, you know what I mean, and and, and there's going to be some hurdles that you're going to have to jump. You're going to get knocked on your butt. You're going to have to get back up. Uh, you know your plans are not going to go the way you wanted to go. I mean that's just reality, man. We all have visions and things that we want to happen, and very very rarely is success linear. Um, there's always going to be some kind of hurdle or 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 obstacle to get through. Um, so, but you got to pound the rock. I love you gotta it. Pound the rock, and, and you never know when that rock is going to split. And the worst thing is when that rock splits, and you're not prepared for anything because because you're 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 moping or whatever. Um, so, it's just important to stay the course. I stay love the it. course. Pound the rock. Don't give up on your dreams. Your journey is your journey. Um, and and Ooh. and again, just you know, kind of keep on keeping on. There it is. Nice. Uh, that that was our mantra in college too, Northern Colorado football. 
we we pounded the hell out that rock, but it never cracked. <laughs> so I mean, they still they still pound the still pound the rock yeah. over there. You guys need a bigger hammer or you know, dynamite? Y'all What's up, right? <laughs> Y'all needed something else. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed this show, man. Hey, Josh, thank you so much for jumping on, man. I uh, really appreciate you, and thank you to listeners for listening. Like again, once again, hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us feedback. Let us know, you know, what you want to hear. Reach out, you know, jump on the show. Um, we are uh, Black and Sports on all your social media platforms. Um, if you catch us on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. And then uh, don't forget, we drop the Locker Rooms, which are our short format shows every Tuesday. And you can find that on all your uh, podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. And just please stay safe, practice gratitude, Wakanda forever, and know we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got a sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody black. Yeah. 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 Assuming I'm rooting for everybody black. Spat bouts and racks on handmade new rags. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody black. That's everybody from sports to college class to rap. It's just not, it's not recording, right? What's up, bro? Hey, thank you so much, bro, bro, man. I really appreciate you. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Oh. It's all good. I just saw his face. I'm like, oh, I think he's still on.